Balotelli. Aguero! Lewandowski goes through it again, oh he just can't do it, you just cannot be that good, that is an amazing goal, I think he's scored a goal every time he's had a shot. Hello guys and welcome to season two of the 50 plus one football podcast, still your home for all things Bundesliga and Premier League and with me as ever is the transfer saga to my Jaden Sancho, Lewis. <laughs> You're really not going to let go of that one, are you? Until he signs or the window closes, I'm clinging to it so tight. Oh, Jesus Christ. The life of a Man United fan, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to have a look at Leeds versus Liverpool, Tottenham versus Everton, and a man who has now scored more goals, more Premier League goals, I should say, then Didier Drogba. We've got a nice little round of topics for you today. And without further ado, let's get straight into it. I think we should just start with Leeds v. Liverpool, no? Easily game of the, of the week by a mile. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, 3-2 in the first half. That should say it all, really. I don't know whether it was Leeds being open and aggressive, but Liverpool just defensively weren't at the races at all like Patrick Bamford's goal yeah yeah no way last year Virgil van Dijk is letting that happen that was just a mistake as well as just like as Virgil van Dijk last season and I think we should make these uh, the specific distinction Virgil van Dijk before Liverpool officially took the title because I'm going to make a statement a little bit of a controversial statement here and say Liverpool looked much the team that, you know, let their performances slide after winning the title the previous season. Would you agree with that assessment? Yeah, as controversial as that is, I really can't, I can't disagree with it. And, you know, he is, he is good. We know he's good. Obviously, he's good because Liverpool won a Premier League and a Champions League in the last two years. But And and that man was the rock in defence for them. Exactly. But I want to get your opinion on something because Gabby Agbonlahor, the ex-Villa striker, put on Twitter afterwards, please don't put Van Dijk in the same bracket as Rio and company. Please. Thanks. Arguably, you could put Vidic and JT in there as well. I mean, I wouldn't even say arguably. I'd say Vidic and and JT are definitely the same bracket uh, as Rio and... Jeez, I'm blanking on. Who was was it? Who was the fourth one? Company. Company. Yeah, company. Jesus. How how can you forget him? Um, Do you know why I... Do you know why I would agree with that tweet? Is because Virgil van Dijk, as good as he's been, he hasn't been doing that for 10 years straight. He's an unbelievable center back, but Vidic and Rio did that for a decade at least. Well, you think, and they put in performance after performance, season after season for a solid ten years. I was going to say Vidic and Rio—they were the backbone of a dynasty. Exactly. Arguably, John Terry as well. 
and Vincent Company were almost instrumental. But do you want another little, another little juicy, bitter thing that rival fans are going to cling, cling on to? Oh, please give it to me. Give it to me. <laughs> Since the start of 2018-19 season, no outfield player has made more errors leading to goals in the Premier League than Virgil van Dijk. Yikes. So I'd, if, love to hear our, I'd love to hear our good friend Greg explain that statistic away. Well, all I'm going to say is if Harry Maguire is a fridge, then Virgil van Dijk's the water cooler. Okay, I'm, gonna, I'm going to have to stop you there. I'm, I think comparing Van Dyke to Harry Maguire is a little bit, a little bit harsh. It's fine. One of them wins Champions Leagues and Premier League titles, and the other one batters Greek, please. <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> yeah, okay, allegedly. I, I don't mean... want to be wrapped up in some legal thing. But no, nah, you know, Van Dyke, you could call it a mo. I mean, he scored in, in the 4 <laughs> 3 win against Leeds. So he can't have been that terrible, but oh, Trent, moment of madness. Trent was—I don't want to say it, but he was crap. And you wanted him in the team of the season last year, if I remember. Well, he's in my correctly. fantasy team, so that went really well. When he scored <laughs> that own goal, I nearly—it's the first time I've ever. It's like, oh my god! I mean, it was offside, so it didn't count. But Jesus, <laughs> I was a little bit happy and a little bit sad. I'm not gonna lie. Liverpool slowed to get out of the gate. Very slow. I mean, get, granted, we're saying this about a team that still managed to get three points and score four goals. So we've, obviously, we're holding Liverpool to a very, very high standard. But nevertheless, not their best performance and not what you're going to expect from a Liverpool side that have just been crowned champions when they play the newly promoted Leeds team. Yeah. And... You know, we're, we're holding them to high standards because last season they set those high standards. And yeah, yeah. two of Mo Salah's goals were penalties, but they were penalties. Like, there's no arguing against it. And yeah. Leeds are going to have to learn. You can't do that. It you was, can't it make was a bit naive like defending. Or you can't defend like that in the Premier League if you want, want to stay up. Yeah, they scored three goals. But not every team is going to... I, don't, I can't believe I'm saying this about Liverpool's defence after last season, but not every team is going to fall asleep at the back. Yeah, yeah. But Click's goal was absolutely insane. Jesus, yeah. The little that, touch I mean, and then the volley past Allison. It went past him before he moved. It was great. Uh, as, as, they, as they would say in Germany, the goalkeeper only heard that shot. Literally. I, it's just one of those things. Like, they're going to be so good to watch Leeds. Because it's going to be interesting, yeah. You compare them to Fulham, who against Arsenal, yeah, they, they attacked Arsenal, but they, they looked passive. They never, they, they never really the final third. They never really seemed like they were going to genuinely have, you know, a shot at winning that game. Do you know what I mean? Like they'll, they'll show like little glimpses of the form, but overall, you're thinking, mm, not really, really quite there yet. If you, if if we're going to be honest, they still have some improving to do. And, you know, obviously that's going to come with experience in the Premier League being back. But... I mean, Leeds get that first win back in the Premier League. And I think it's just going to build on that. Because 
I don't know. I didn't I haven't watched a lot of Leeds other than in the documentary on, on Amazon Prime. Yeah. But the people that endorse Marcelo Bielsa, Pep endorses him Pochettino, Mourinho. These aren't small names. These aren't like the Harrogate town manager saying, Oh yeah, he's great. Like, <laughs> these are like the top managers in the world saying, Oh, this guy, he's great. And it's like, yeah, yeah. But you look at the teams he's managed and he's never around for long. And he's just signed a new one year at Leeds. So you think maybe if it doesn't go to plan, he'll be gone. Be off. Yeah. But obviously it's early days. It's you know, one game in and that's not going to be future decided. Like Martin Keown annoyed me on co-coms for the Arsenal game. It was like after a Bamiyang's goal, I was like, oh, well, you're not going to see a better goal than that all season. It's mm. the first game of the first match week. Get your, and you're get forgetting Hammers Rodriguez is... Yeah, you're you're forgetting James Rodriguez is probably going to have a say about that. And as dismal as his career may have been in the last couple of seasons, he still scored some bangers. So I think making a statement like that, I'm just not even just James Rodriguez, but just the quality or the level of uh, quality that is in the Premier League and the and the amount of players you have in the Premier League that can produce something special. Putting a statement out like that is just. It's just, there's no other way to put it. It's premature. Well, it's the same as Glenn Hoddle when he watches Tottenham. He watches it with Tottenham goggles on. Oh, he like, did. you know, Harry Winks will do an, uh, a little turn and a pass to Musa Sissoko three yards from go. Oh, that is wonderful from Harry Winks. But it's like Martin Kieran watches it with Arsenal glasses. Like, Gary Neville does the same. Jamie Carragher as well. Like, everyone's a little bit biased as an ex-pro. But you, you you would hope that you you would hope that that bias doesn't carry over. <laughs> you'd hope not, but you understand. You know, Martin Keown is an Arsenal. Yeah, legend, okay. You know, like, but we've not seen Kai Havertz, Timo Werner, yeah, Tim Ziyech yeah. play. You know, they play Monday night against Brighton. Uh, I'm I am really interested to see if Chelsea's millions will actually pay off. And uh, we'll we'll also get we'll also get um another good friend of ours, Louis Beneventi, to talk about that once the transfer window is closed. Um, Louis has done some extensive work with uh, Chelsea fan channels, um, and is right now the host of the Chelsea Echo. But he definitely will have some things to say about that. So, uh, just a quick plug there. Keep your eyes peeled October fifth for that one. But speaking of Chelsea, it's just. It's it's almost there's a lot of anticipation I think from general like in general just from fans because they've seen you know Chelsea they spent upwards of 200 mil um, they've brought in some very very high quality players and the expectations as we said last week when we had on Dev Bajwa um, there are going to be very high expectations at Chelsea there are but and you know, Frank Lampard in the build up to Monday's game against Brighton spoke about squad cohesion but ZH Ben Chilwell and Thiago Silva are all out you know ZH got injured in pre-season against Brighton depressing <laughs> but it's not going to be a a season ender it's going to be one of those you'll be out for a, a week or two yeah I'm I think I think if if 
I think it almost does Chelsea a little bit of good that, you know, not all the players they bought or they brought in are fit to play because imagine if Chelsea then all of a sudden had the chance to field every single new piece of talent that they've, that they've acquired during this transfer window, you know, the hype would just, it would just surpass all expectations and everyone's expectations would exceed what really the players would be able to produce on the pitch because, you know, as we've said before, trust the process and these players are not going to be a cohesive unit from the get-go. No, expect there to be a little bit of... Mispassing. Yeah, misplaced passes, a bit rusty even. Like It may not look smooth, it may not flow. Just, just, some, just some definite misunderstandings probably by the players because they're still get, growing accustomed to you know, each other and each other's styles of play. Because you have, to, you have to remember, this is a very different Chelsea squad to what they had last year. You could say it's a much better, much better squad than they've got last season. But it's almost this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask Louis about this, um, and not yeah. in like a, a snide, sarky sort of. Oh, well, you've done this. Do you think you should have done that? But I saw something <laughs> on the Athletic that I thought I thought was quite interesting because I'm a nerd and I pay for the Athletic. Don't um, worry, that makes two of us. <laughs> it was an <laughs> And it was, yeah, Chelsea have bought all these great players and they've brought in world, yeah, world-class talent in Havertz, Thiago Silva, Werner, Ziyech. But what they should have done was sack their mediocre manager, which I think is really unfair on Frank Lampard. But at the same point, kind of got a point. Because he's come yeah. from a, a Derby side where he didn't gain promotion. But he did so exceptionally well with that Chelsea team. I, th- I, think, that, I think that's a bit harsh. It's Damn. harsh, but you can sort of understand. It was like, if Derby had got promoted, it would have been, okay, fair enough. Frank Lampard, he did the job. He got the job done. Yeah. Like, they didn't get promoted. And it was like, oh, he's going to Chelsea. He's like, Sorry, what? But then I mean, like they hadn't, they didn't have that transfer window, and it was like, the, here's, yeah, he couldn't, he couldn't have, like, there was, there was no downside to him because if he, if he hadn't done well with Chelsea, you know, it's what everyone would have expected. You know, you've got a manager who is just, you know, barely had one season in professional football and has not even been in the top flight, and that one season he just missed out on promotion with Darby Given. He just missed out, but at the end of the day, Darby actually had a had a good shot at uh, promotion. And then you go and sign him for, in my opinion, when they did sign him, they more or less the Chelsea. I feel like the Chelsea board were like, "Well, he's a Chelsea legend, so I think we can take him on." Because I, I, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, I think if it had been any other person who had just gotten that far with Darby in their first, you know, year as a professional manager and they weren't Frank Lampard or any other Chelsea legend, Chelsea would not have signed them. No. And it's one of those situations where under the circumstances surrounding the transfer ban and all that stuff, no one could begrudge Frank Lampard a season. Yeah. I think this season will be... You know, it, God for I, I like Frank Lampard. 
and God forbid he's out of the job before Christmas because I think that'd be really harsh by Chelsea. But then again, Abramovich does have, you know, he does have a short span for error. Yeah, and, you, you, you could know, put I, it that way. Obviously, we'll talk more about this with Louis, but say that squad isn't performing to the level they expect having spent so much money. Yeah. Who do you blame? Like the first person to get the blame is the manager. I mean, I'd say is I'd say that at that point you can only blame the manager because it's not like they haven't invested in the squad. Because you know, if you if you have a Chelsea right now have a squad depth that very few Premier League teams can even say they're on par with, let alone better. So I'd say that if, if Frank Lampard can't get, I, th- I feel that he should get a full season with these guys and, you know, to get his, you know, you know, to get the squad cohesion right and then you could judge him. But obviously it's professional football. And if he doesn't start producing results by Christmas, I think he will probably be the first one to be blamed for any, you know, crap results for lack of a better word well it's that thing with football like you know ultimately the one person in a football club that the football club can do without is the manager yeah sad as it is to say managers are replaceable they're you know sometimes they're just used as fodder yeah it it is it it is almost a bit unfair you know you look at david moyes at west ham second time he's been there and it's going to be a difficult season for west ham Oh yeah. But the first person to be blamed publicly by the board and the owners will be David Moyes. It won't be Gold, Sullivan or Brady and their Or the you board, know, you know, who didn't make any class transfers or, you know, selling Brady Diangana for eighteen million pounds and then not investing yeah. that in anyone else. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's David Moyes probably doesn't have a say over those transfers. It's your first team coach, which is what's changed at Arsenal. Yeah. You know, Mikel Arteta's gone from first team coach to manager in the last few weeks. So Aubameyang will be negotiating his contract with Arteta, which could be the biggest sway for him staying at Arsenal. Yeah, yeah. But that's enough of what ifs. And we've looked ahead... We've spoken about Chelsea. I want to talk Everton Everton and their win away at Tottenham. Big, big news. And a bit, I'd say a very big upset because I, any, any pundit worth their, worth their salt looks at that, on, that match on paper and says that's a tot, that has Tottenham win written all over it. Yeah, I can agree with that. But the interesting thing, it was Everton's first away win a uh, top six side, you know, the traditional top six. Yeah. In 41 games. Their first away win, a uh, top six team in 41 games. That really doesn't help the humiliation uh, and it had standard to be Tottenham. for Tottenham. <laughs> it had to be Tottenham. But as, as, yeah. as good as Everton were and their new midfield and the new look of the team, and we'll talk about that in a sec, Tottenham were lifeless, flat, yeah. You know, walking round, sulking. Second half, it was crap. It's you know, not. It's Harry not. Harry Kane expect. touched the ball twice in their box. 
it's 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 not one you expect, especially from a team managed by Mourinho. I think it is though. Can I be? Can I play devil's advocate there? Go for it. This is the new Mourinho. Ooh, and speaking as a former, uh, as a exactly. as a United fan who has had Mourinho as a former manager, yeah, there is this is this is his brand of you know. You see in the All or Nothing documentary on Prime, you know, it looked like he had his mojo back a little bit. He was falling. I was about to say it didn't falling back in love with football, but it's easy to do that when cameras are there. I said to my mate, Daniel Levy comes across really well in that documentary. Oh yeah, and I still think he's a prick. Oh, I mean, no, exactly. The minute those cameras are off, he doesn't have breakfast with them in the team cafeteria yeah it is a classic case of you know the the pr team at tottenham have worked closely together with amazon to give every single person at that club you know it's basically to give them the image that the sun you know rises and sets with tottenham which granted i don't want to take away from you know a good amount a good amount of the people who work there and you know some of the players even but i don't think that you know that that mentality is always going to be with daniel levy for instance or Mourinho. and i mean i know those are big controversial comments to make but as you said when the cameras are off and then when you also look at tottenham's dispirited performance against everton it's hard to argue with that when you know everyone's just seen a couple of weeks ago Mourinho talking you know in the dressing room you know you have to be bastards you have to you know you guys cannot be nice you have this is a game of 90 minutes you you, we want to win we want to crush them you know he sounds a little he I it's it's almost as if you know Jurgen Klopp's there and you know he he's doing the motivational speech but then you you're thinking that was only a good eight or nine months ago where is that gone? Because he couldn't have possibly made any type of pre-match pep talk like that looking at the match against Everton. No. I don't know. If, if he had made a speech like that, there's no way they come out and play like they did in that second half. It was lazy. It was... I don't want to use the word... I don't want to, I don't want to say that it looked like they didn't care because obviously you'd like to think they do, but it did look like they weren't bothered. And it, it reminds me so much of that last half season under Mourinho. When he was at United, you mean? Yeah, when he was at United, I mean. And yeah. Again, bit of a controversial one, but I think Mourinho now is a victim of his reputation preceding him. So people know what he's done. They've seen what he's done in the past, you know, how he was. He's not like that anymore. He's not, I am the special one anymore. He's not, something is, is changed in him or he refuses to change with football. Because you look at, you know, Man City, when they won the Premier League and they were the Centurions and that, they didn't play the way... Pep's Barca played. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you adapt with the way football goes. And I I don't think he's done it. And it sounds really stupid when I say it out loud. 
but it's just I'm getting I got such deja vu watching that. It was oh take me back to United's Mourinho. It's just placid. It's a bit depressing that you go that that you go that far as well because we're talking about a man who hasn't even spent a full year at Tottenham and he's already you know at the point where he was when he had been at United for two and a half years. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Um, but you know, two and a half years at United, yeah, okay, given you know towards that towards the end of that two and a half years that that happens, that you know it's it's obviously bad to happen, especially if it's uh, you know a, a coach with the reputation of Mourinho. But you can argue, you know, if he if it wasn't a match made in heaven, that that can happen after two and a half months. But for that to happen after not even a year of managing the team. And a good deal of that year was obviously spent apart from the team um, because of the pandemic. And that just means, you know, he's, he's basically had a solid seven months with the team if we're being, or if we're going to take the total time that he's had. And for that to be already a team looking like, you know, the Man United team that had seen two and a half years of Mourinho, that is just... That should be very, very worrying for anyone at Tottenham Hotspur. You know, it it could just be a hangover. I could be making more of this than I need to. But from that and where they finished last season, I don't know. I don't really want to get bogged down in it because it's only week one. Maybe we can have this conversation again at Christmas. I was about to say, if put it this way, we'll repeat this line of questioning or this uh this line of thought around christmas and see if we were just woefully off the chart making these statements uh or if they held a solid amount of water you know who knows last thing i'm gonna say on the matter is the signings of doherty and hoiberg don't scream inspiration to me i mean i'm sorry you're forgetting also joe hart in there so oh sorry yes former england (laughs) goalkeeper joe hart yeah, um, Man couldn't catch a cold. Couldn't that, catch coronavirus. There we go. <laughs> Let's not joke about COVID. It's yeah. I mean, but you are right in saying that you know Tottenham's transfer policy or transfer strategy this summer has not screamed top six club. It's screened more you know mid table prem club that are looking to break into the top ten for the first time in their history. I'm not gonna. Lie. It would have been a good summer of signing or a summer of signings if it had been West Ham making those transfers, but not a club like Tottenham Hotspur who have aspirations to make it, to always fight for top four, fight in the Champions League, try and get into the knockout stage of the Champions League and win the FA Cup probably. Hey, hey Lewis. <laughs> do you want to know uh, what signings that have looked like a top four side that have come from a team that are normally top 10 looking to break into the top six. Let's hear it. Because Everton's window, arguably other than Chelsea's, has been absolutely insane. And it, it showed today. Crown jewel. Crown jewel being Hammers Rodriguez. Yeah. Although, Alan. Yeah. Man okay. of the match today. A ball-winning midfielder. You know, you go back to the last time Everton played Spurs at the end of last season. Yeah. 
to go from having Gilfie Sigurdsson and Tom Davis in midfield to having a midfield three of Alan Abdullah Dukure, who is just a, an upgrade anyway from Watford, and James Rodriguez. That's a pretty insane upgrade. And it's Ancelotti that's that's done it. If they still had Marco Silva or even Duncan Ferguson, they wouldn't have these players. Because yeah, I mean, especially seems to follow Ancelotti around. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong in that sense either because, you know, he, he went to Real Madrid because Ancelotti has gone to Bayern because of Ancelotti and then now he's at Everton. I mean, there's no way in hell that James Rodriguez ever ever even takes a look at an Everton offer if Ancelotti is not the man- manager who is going to be placing that offer in front of them. Yeah, it's not, I want to play for Everton. It's, I want to play for Ancelotti again. Because oh, yeah. he seems to get something out of James. That no one else has managed to get. You think how good Zinedine Zidane's been at Real Madrid? Could not yeah. prize that form out of him. I mean, you're not wrong. But then again, also just watching the Tony Kroos documentary a couple of days ago, you know, Zinedine Zidane says, I love training Tony because I'm not really training him. This guy, was, this guy is very much like me. He always knows. He's already three passes ahead of everyone. He always knows where he's going to put the ball. He knows when to speed up the play. He knows when to, you know, slow down the play. He knows he's just like a metronome. And it's just, I just love watching him play because he just wants to be there. He just wants to play football. And I, I don't really have to do much. And I think. You think that, that fits his management. Ma- you think that fits his management style? Having players at Real Madrid that don't really need much coaching. They turn up, they do their job. And he just needs to kind of guide them. And, you know, he, I think. Yeah, I think I think I think that the assessment does it very does it a lot of justice because he he just needs to go there and I think he's he's already got if you will a round ball of clay and he all he does is make little adjustments to make it you know a perfect sphere. Whereas you think Rodriguez is a just a lump that needs to be sculpted by the right person. Check us out and this someone who has the time and patience. This is intelligent football conversation. Oh, I mean, we, we, are, we are self-proclaimed football nerds. I think we have to have one or two intelligent conversations in here. I think, was it Rodriguez that called, was, called him Professor Ancelotti? Could be. I, I'm not I think I'm it might unsure about the details there. But he obviously has a massive amount of love for Ancelotti obviously who else follows the same manager three times to three different clubs? <laughs> oh, what was the one? Who was the defender that played that was at Chelsea and then he was at Inter and then he was a, was it Carvalho? No. Anyway, there was a Mourinho one as well. And it was Alan that called him professor Ancelotti <laughs> because he had him at Napoli, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, just going back to our original point, Everton have now slowly, they're slowly trying to get back to the side that, you know, we're knocking on the door of top six and definitely always vying for that seventh position in the Premier League and, you know, showing the top six we're a team to be reckoned with and will cause you problems which I feel has kind of gone down the drain in the last couple seasons. They've really just 
Everton have just really shown to be, you know, a weak team in the last few seasons, in my opinion. And, you know, I think with them having the clout to get Ancelotti to train them and then Ancelotti bringing the needed bait for top players like James Rodriguez, I think Everton have got themselves a nice little, you know, formula for success, at least in comparison to seasons previously. Yeah, they can they can surprise a few teams. And if... Calvin, and they have done. They've beaten Tottenham. Well, exactly. <laughs> but maybe this season could be the season Dominic Calvert-Lewin knocks on Gareth Southgate's door. Um, like, I wouldn't the, be surprised, especially seeing as uh, Mason Greenwood and Phil Foden have managed to get themselves kicked out of the England squad. <laughs> I, I, I do want to talk about that, actually. Can I talk about that? We, before we get to that, I did mention one man. Well, the, the match itself, West Brom v. Leicester, not really that noteworthy. But one man who has now got more Premier League goals than Didier Drogba, and that's Jamie Vardy. He deserves a lot of praise. In 43 less games. Incoming Chelsea fans not knowing how to respond to that. Oh, but did he score the winning goal in the Champions League? Oh, shut <laughs> up. I'm sorry. that You cannot from... take away that, that from, from, from the man. He has scored more Premier League goals than Didier Drogba, who I'd say is considered by many to be one of the Premier League's best strikers of all time. Exactly. But to come, the journey, I, it's, oh, I'm bored of this now because everyone mentions it every season, but to come from where he came from, Oh, it is, a, it, is, it is a football love story. It's Who plays, like, you know, sixth or seventh tier and then gets himself up to fifth tier and then up into, you know, League One and then Championship and then Premier League and then to win the Premier League with Leicester in that fashion in 2016 to then score in the Champions League to get, no, to get nominated for the English uh, national team. And then it, it is just... It doesn't even matter that he only played what nine games for England and that his career really started going off, you know, professionally in the Premier League towards the end of his twenties and early thirties. That man has had a career that I think anyone would give their right arm for. Yeah. And if you, even if you take away the, you know, the England side of it, it's still, it's still absolutely incredible. And he's still doing it. He's 33. He's still doing it. He was top scorer last year. And he's been consistently top five. He is, just, he is an unreal striker. And he, I mean, he just goes to show what, what some people, like if, if, you know, the stars align and you put in enough hard work that it'll happen. Exactly. And I like Jamie Vardy. You know, only Jamie Vardy would have the level of shithousery in him to cup his ears to an empty stadium. <laughs> Which I did find. I did enjoy that. Definitely. But you did want to talk about our two English youngsters who have managed to get themselves into a sex scandal before age 21, which I think that takes a certain takes amount of skill in and of itself. It's impressive <laughs> an achievement in that sense. But I mean, this is something that I got off of Twitter and Instagram. It was... Every English great has to have a sex scandal at some point in the career. So 
for them to get it out of the way this early just goes to show that they're going to be England greats. I mean, big right. man Waza. It could, was it, he? Could be, it could be. It could be. He was nailing play. grannies at like age right. twenty-one. What was what was the story? I can't. Oh, no, it was later than the that. details. It was, it was at the peak of his career, or just past the peak of his career. But still, but I, I mean, I don't really want to get nailed down in the scandal in Iceland, as bad as I think it probably is. But I want to the aftermath. I want to talk about because today. It might have been last night, but there were some pictures uncovered by everyone's favorite shit rag, The Sun. Oh, jeez. Don't, don't. The fact that we're <laughs> quoting this shit. Of, no, it's, it's not a quote. There's actual pictures, so you can't deny it. Okay, fair you know, enough. It's, like, it's from a video, but it's of Mason Greenwood taking NOS. And for those that don't Ooh. know what NOS is, it's laughing gas. I mean, I mean... But him and 90% of every teenage, teenager, teenager in the UK do <laughs> stupid shit. Yeah. But, so Phil Foden and Mason Green would get sent home after breaking the England bubble, right? Yeah. Oh no, their England careers hang by a thread or their England careers are on a knife's edge. No, they're not. They're 18 no. and 20 respectively, right? But, it's not like they're banned from Eng- from the English national team for life, but I mean, I wouldn't expect Gareth Southgate to be giving them a call anytime this year. I don't know. <laughs> Depends how well they play. Yeah, but even I think I think even if you know it'd be, I think it'd be good for them, you know, if they don't get nominated for any more England team uh, or, or any of the England national team uh, fixtures. At least left until next just to year, give them a little bit of a thinking gonna be, break. They're going to be good for the Euros. Let's be honest. But oh no, I'm not saying I'm not saying he's going to leave them out of the Euros, but I'm saying you know this year, as in this calendar year, 2020. Yeah, I yeah, wouldn't I expect them to be in, included in any any English national team squad for the Nations League or friendlies, whatever. I mean, that's not what I want to get bogged down in. It was the aftermath. So someone has gone through Mason Greenwood's. Uh, pictures or someone's someone they've hunted these down right they've targeted Mason Greenwood okay yeah and yet he's apologized now and he said you know don't do it it was a stupid thing I regret it we you know United have fully backed him that's fine yeah but why Mason you know I might be clutching at straws here but it was Mason Greenwood in sex scandal Mason Greenwood this Mason Greenwood that no mention of Phil Foden with a girlfriend and kid back in Manchester. No one. Oh, geez. I just thought he had a kid. I didn't realize he was in a relationship. Yeah. Oof. No one's talking about the man's going to be in the doghouse for a while. <laughs> so why have we not heard of it? Heard of it? No one's talking about uh, Phil Foden and the stupid shit he's done. No one's bringing up the picture of Usman Dembele and Kylian Mbappe doing exactly the same thing. No, I give, I give, I give you that, and I think. Um, do, do you know? I'm going to venture a guess here. I think if you were going to choose a player from last year who caught your attention more and did more for their respective teams, it'd probably be Mason Greenwood. Oh God, yeah, he's just an easy target. It's because it's because he's done. He's. Um, 
I mean, he scored more goals than Phil Foden. I'd say he's been more of an effective player than Phil Foden. Um, I'm not taking away from Phil Foden's performances last season because they were great. But Phil Foden definitely didn't produce as many goals and assists as Mason Greenwood, um, if I have my stats correct, in the last Premier League season or uh, across all competitions. And also the fact of, you know, Manchester United being... I mean, I know City's a big club, but Manchester United also just with their media presence, with their, um, you know, being one of the big, being the biggest club in a, from a marketing standpoint in the world. Um, I think it makes it more of a tar- makes Greenwood more of a target just because of his association with Manchester United well, and the fact that, that he's, yeah, he's performed or he's performed so much uh, or a tad better than Phil Foden. And he's also a couple years younger than Phil Foden. It's that age I'm just venturing thing. a guess. Yeah, you're right. You're not wrong. But it's that age-old thing. If you can write about United, people will pick up your paper. But yeah. This, this is essentially what my dissertation was based on. You know, is it ethical for you to go back and uncover things? Is it, is it ethical for you to trawl back through people's things? Like when people, when, when Andre Gray signed for Watford from Burnley, People yeah. went back and found tweets he made when he was 16. It's like, oh, but he's homophobic. He was 16. Yeah, it's not ideal. It's not great. But he, he, he you know, probably doesn't talk like that now. Teenagers do dumb shit. But yeah, I, was, I mean, I'm also going to go back. Cause I know you're talking about the aftermath, but I'm going to go back to the fact of, you know, what the, what the two kids have done, what, what the two of them have done. And we're just go, I'm just going to go out and say teenagers as you know as a group already do dumb shit but you're talking about two kids who probably because they've devoted their lives to football also not you know footballers in general i'm gonna say aren't the brightest in our society they're unbelievable on the ball but you know obviously some things got to give way if you're going to become a professional footballer and often more often than not it comes down to their schooling and you're talking about two guys who have probably just managed to get some kind of uh, finishing degree from secondary school and are now, you know, in the public eye for the first time. And they've gone from zero to a hundred quicker than they can, you know, count or they can say zero to a hundred. And, and then they do something dumb, you know, it's just think about what kind of guys you're, you, you know, you're dealing with here. I'm not saying, I'm not trying to make excuses for them. I'm just saying that it's a bit much on the backlash when you've got, you know, when you're talking about the kids, uh, when you're talking, you are talking about kids. Yeah. You- and especially kids who, you know, might not be the brightest and also have access to way, way too much money and fame or are way too famous, probably for their own good. Yeah. And you let the FA deal with it. You let the club deal with it. But yeah. it's, it's the way that I really hate giving them any you know, name at all, but it's the way the son have named it. So Mason Greenwood filmed inhaling hippie crack weeks before England's debut shame. So it's a good, it's a good headline. It's, it's a headline it's, made to sell. But, it's a good headline, uh, but I'd argue that doing that is healthier than reading the sun. Because it's just hate-filled shite. And again, we'll talk to Louis about this because Louis has got connections to 
the city of Liverpool and like everyone in that city won't go anywhere near it. Oh, I think I think you're going to just find someone who ha- who shares your views and is even more vehement about his views when it comes to the sun when we talk to Louis about this. Pretty much. I mean, but you know, he's an 18-year-old kid, right? At the at the, the the start of his career, he's not even hit a peak yet. He's still in in football lifespan. He's sort of in a, an amoeba. Yeah, and it just makes me uncomfortable when you know because we did media degrees and things. You know, and I did my I spoke to so many people in the media for my dissertation about this, and it makes me uncomfortable when people are victimized like the whole Raheem Sterling witch hunt that made me really uncomfortable yeah I mean it, it is it is just a degree it is just a you know the degree of you know verbal punishment that these guys have to undergo like yes you're in the public eye and I'm I'm going to be completely honest they couldn't in in that situation they couldn't have done anything dumber because you know be, they they should be you know aware of their roles they should be aware that they're in the public eye and you know especially with this pandemic you know having claimed the lives that it has and you know it's it's still one of the most it's still one of the deadliest pandemics ever to have been, you know erupted on this earth and they should have known better they most definitely should have oh yeah i'm not condoning that it the, was the one the one thing to do Oh yeah, exactly. But I think the one thing that we need to that that we need to also address in media is just you know they they got what they you know they got that what they deserved you know punishment wise and more, but the media backlash from that specifically what came from the Sun is a bit much. Yeah, and someone put it on someone that I follow on Twitter summed up definite uh, you know perfectly in my opinion. Uh, considering their toxicities, I'd be more concerned if I saw Greenwood reading the sun than taking laughing gas. <laughs> now, obviously, oh. I'm not saying, you know, hey, kids, go out and... Laughing gas is good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's little silver canisters. No, don't. No, no, no. I'm, I'm not, nah, condo- you know, I'm not by, condoning that. I'm not condoning what happened in Iceland. By no I means think- are we condoning the drug use of... La- or the use of laughing highs. gas. But... You let the club deal with it. You let the governing body, you let the FA deal with it. Yeah. You know, you don't need the Sun or the Times or the Daily Star to incite another witch hunt. Oh, yeah. Because we've had that. We had that with Raheem Sterling. You know, with the whole gun tattoo. And it's like, oh, just leave him alone. Yeah, yeah. You know, like some of my mates, we were back when it happened, my mates were talking about. It, so I hope he picks it up and pretends to shoot it when he when he scores. I really do. It would just absolutely. He picks up his own calf and pretend. Yeah, that'd be, it's that'd, just that'd be a level of shit housery that you need. You know, the British media is so shit, and I don't want to say it, but there's a little bit of institutional racism again. Yeah, I mean, we're. I mean. I'm not you know, gonna lie. I'm, sure, I'm pretty sure Phil Foden. I don't want to, you know. I'm not saying he definitely has, but a teenager on that amount of money, he's done some more dumb fuck stuff that we don't know about because it's not been reported by the press. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm anyway, not. I'm, I mean, I'm not going to take it away from you. But let's talk seeing as we've gone into a 
we've gone into a solid, solid uh, <laughs> Sorry. tirade about the English media, which I'm all for, but we still do have to take a look ahead to the uh, matches next week, seeing as we have to wrap up in a few minutes. But well, we have talked about the Premier League extensively. Um, you know, obviously, Premier League is back. The Bundesliga is also back next week. And I think two matches specifically, Bayern v. Schalke, obviously the first match back. But the real big, big match next week is uh, Dortmund v. Gladbach. Because, I mean, it doesn't get much better. The two teams who both made it into the top four have solid teams. As of now, they haven't really had any major losses um, you know, in terms of transfers, that and... could change. And I will, God forbid, I bring his name up again. Oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> well, we're just going to assume maybe. that this is not the season or this is not the transfer window that Jaden Sancho does move to Manchester United. I mean, if he does and he proves me wrong, I will happily, you know, do whatever. I don't know what, what was the last bet we had. I would put egg on my face <laughs> oh no i know if uh jaden sancho moves to united can i put that picture on our instagram page uh hell no we're not going that far oh. i'm definitely going to take egg on my face over that for uh, over that photo we have some very damaging material we do be not need by your family for that uh yeah i really would <laughs> I thought, I thought you. I can't, I can't be seen in that shirt. That's just. Uh, I'd just be a little bit overkill. Oh, I put it on my Insta story for his birthday. Like, I thought. We, I thought we agreed to keep that under wraps. I was like, yeah, but if but you have one we, of me in a city shirt, you do exactly the same thing. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Um. Anyways, you know, I think uh, Bundesliga season start the first match Bayern v Schalke that really has Bayern win written all over. But then again, you know, I think unless it's Bayern v. Schalke, I mean, Bayern v. Dortmund or Gladbach, it usually does in the Bundesliga, sad as it is to say. Um, but Schalke are, you know, in a rebuilding phase. I think it's going to be interesting to see what they put on the pitch because, I mean, they had a dismal round of performances when it came to their test matches. I mean, they were drawing, they were losing, you know, 3-1 against um, KFC Uerding, which is a third-tier club. They play in the third Bundesliga. Uh, incidentally, Kevin Großkreutz, former Dortmund man oh, and World man. Cup winner, put a goal past them for Erdingen, um, which has got to sting, you know, the Schalke blue and white hearts a little bit. And they also lost against a fourth-tier team, SC Fair. You know, they had a very, very dismal round of, uh, of preseason matches. They also lost Western McKenney to Juve online. Exactly. Their talisman midfielder. One thing they did do, though, is they, I mean, remains to be seen after the first performances, but they did bring some stability back into the goalkeeping position and have put Ralf Fehrmann back at number one after he was demoted from that position about a year and a half ago. And he made like two appearances for Norwich. I think he was. I think it was a very. It was a pretty harsh treatment of him. I mean, as a goalkeeper, I'm always going to be a little bit biased because I see, you know, a goalkeeper make, you know, uh, one or two mistakes, and I'm like, you know, I feel for them. But on the other hand, he did have some shaky performances that he got, you know, treated the way he did, and you know, shipped off to God knows where first Norwich, and then didn't even, uh, you know, really find his footing there, and then he gets shipped off to somewhere in Norway. 
I think was a little bit harsh. But I th- if if there's any good comeback story, it's the fact that he's now again number one for the new Bundesliga season. So it, you know, it's it's a that's probably the ray of sunshine that I would say Schalke have. But you know, you're coming up against a triple uh, or a treble winning team in Bayern, who have just also acquired Leroy Sané, who is probably one of the world's best wingers. So. Um, and incidentally, also a former graduate of the Schalke Knappenschmiede or the Youth Academy. Alongside uh, uh, Leon Goretzka. And Alexander Nubel on the bench. So, <laughs> uh, Yeah, another, another player that you've stolen for free from rivals in the Bundesliga. I mean, low-key kind of funny the fact that we've gotten Goretzka and Nubel on a free from Schalke, both from Schalke in the last two years. You just bend teams in that league over, don't you? You just like... But here's here's the thing, it's it's a it's a small it's a very very thin line between you know actively trying to you know to get your or to weaken teams and also to just bring the best players, specifically the best German players to Bayern because that is a very big philosophy that you know Uli Hoeneß tried to uh, bring bring back. Um, or try to, I say, try to bring back. He want he coined the term FC Bayern Deutschland, which meant you know I want to have the best players in Germany of German nationality playing for Bayern Bayern München. So I'd say it's that that's definitely what they've gone for here. And you know, for all the people who keep saying Bayern keep ruining the competition, um, Dortmund have bought Julian Brandt from Leverkusen. Torgen Hazard from uh, Gladbach, Marco Reus from Gladbach, Roman Bürki from Freiburg. I mean, the Bayern aren't the only team who, you know, buy the, buy the rival team's best players. Dortmund do it as well. Every team does it. You know, don't give me that shit. Struck Just a tad triggered. One, didn't I? Struck a Just a tad triggered. <laughs> okay, <sighs> quickly before I had to get that go. one off my mind. Quickly before we go, who's winning the Premier League and who's winning the Bundesliga, in your opinion? Do you know what? I haven't seen enough of the Premier League teams play yet, obviously because, you know, of uh, COVID-influenced, you know, COVID-influenced fixtures. So, you know, half the teams in the Prem haven't even played yet. And I think it's very hard to pinpoint that one. I want to say it might be another Manchester. It might be between Manchester City and Liverpool, but then given how shaky Liverpool played yesterday, it's very hard to put a put, you know, a prediction on that. Um, I'd say Manchester City might uh, might be there to win it with Chelsea maybe being the dark horse. You know, if they get their team together, um, and then Bundesliga. As much as it pains me to say it, from you know a competition standpoint and wanting to see the Bundesliga prosper and, you know, become an attractive league to watch. You know, I just don't see any team being able to hold a candle to Bayern at the minute, especially, you know, now that they've gotten Hansi Flick uh, under, you know, a permanent contract, they've gotten Leroy Sané and to bolster their wings. um, You know, that team just doesn't... Bayern are the best team in the world. You can't deny that. No one can deny that at the uh, at the minute. And I don't see any team in Germany being able to hold a candle to that. Fair enough. All right, Billy, yeah. it's your turn. Your turn for the predictions, really uh, quickly. Yeah, for the Bundesliga, Bayern. 
by like 15 points or something stupid. <laughs> and the Premier League, I really don't know. Because Chelsea could be good or they could be really bad. That's the thing. It's a dark horse situation there. I wouldn't, and I, and it's given Liverpool's performance yesterday, I would not be able to say at the minute because my choices would have been Liverpool or City, but Liverpool were dismal or dismal in comparison to what they did last season in their first match. And City have not played yet, but you know they definitely didn't seem to have their best season last year, even though they finished second. Eh. It's one of those things like, even if we do sign Sanjo, we're still a decent centre-back away from yeah. challenging. So, we're, you know, United aren't going to challenge, I don't think. We top four, definitely. Yeah. No. I don't know. It's probably between City or Liverpool again, isn't it, really? As much as that. It's like, that, it's like uh, that Gary Neville quote. It was like, who would you rather have win the league, City or Liverpool? It was like, it's like picking between two blokes, shaggy wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it has been a nice comeback episode. It is nice to be back season two, for season two, I mean. Um, Can't wait for season two. Time for bed. (laughs) Looking forward to what the season has to to bring. Uh, One last note, Ty Chong did score for Werder Bremen, so I'm very pleased about that. But yeah, okay, we'll have your, we'll let you have your United fanboy moment. Oh, but, it's the next iron, Robin. Yeah, <laughs> till next time. Until next week, everyone, keep calm, love the beautiful game. <laughs>